Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the letter to the Hebrew Church, 7th chapter, verses 23 through 28. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. Furthermore, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able from all time to save those who approach God through him, since he always lives to make intercessions for them. For it was fitting that we should have such a high priest holy blameless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he has no need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. This, is he, this he did once for all whom he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests those who are subject to weakness, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. My brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, we gather this morning to worship and to praise you. We come bearing wounds from the week past We come with sorrow in our hearts. We come with fears and anxiety for the week ahead. We come with hopes and dreams. We bring our problems into this room. But Lord, we lay them at your altar for you are our great high priest. Having made a sacrifice for us. So that we could come into this place so that we could approach the throne of grace and leave our troubles, our worries here and instead rise up with the confidence of children of God and go forth. So, O Lord, may, uh, may we during this hour, may we hear your words to our hearts so clearly so that we would rise up and go forth with boldness not as hearers of your word, but as doers of your word, so that all the world would know of your word. This we humbly ask. In the name of your Son, our Savior, the great High Priest. Amen. In 1979, there was a columnist for the Chicago Tribune by the name of Lee Strobel, Lee was a Yale-educated lawyer. He was now writing the legal affairs column for the Tribune, and he had this dilemma. See, Strobel was a confessed atheist. When they got married, his wife was an agnostic, and one day she came home after many many months of searching, and she declared to her husband, I am a Christian. Now, this set off this very, this visceral reaction from him. He was worried that she was going to become one of these judgmental people judging him or this exclusivity where if you're not in the club, I don't want to talk to you. He was worried about that in his own wife. But as he watched over the weeks to come that followed, he realized 
She is a much better person than she was earlier. That she was a much better human being, a much, a much kinder person, a more loving person. And we're going to think, what is it? What happened? Why? What did by this transition, this transformation in her life, when she gave her life to Christ, why did this make such a difference? Being a reporter, being a lawyer, wanting to figure these things out, he began to do what reporters do best. He began to research. He began to approach this question of why this transformation? What is it about Jesus that changed her life? So he began to approach it from this idea of writing an article about it. So he read the Bible. He asked the experts. He talked to different people. He wanted to get you know, different viewpoints. And the more he researched, the more he discovered all of his premises were scattered. They were just shattered, that skepticism. He reached this conclusion that, in fact, Jesus did exist. In fact, he was fully divine, and even more so, that Jesus paid the ultimate price for all of humanity. For his wife, for you, for me, and even for Lee Strobel. And so after all of this research, all these hours spent doing this on the side, he realized that he needed to share this news with the world. He realized that he had sort of become convicted himself of the reality of Jesus' love for him. So he wrote a book. He wrote a book as if he was a lawyer making a case in court, arguing his point. The book is entitled The Case for Christ. And so in this, he begins to talk about all of the data, all of the research, all of the information, leaving the reader to act as judge and jury for themselves. Making the case for Christ. That Jesus is the anointed one, the Son of God. As we've been reading in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews is essentially doing the same thing, making a case for the early church that Jesus is the great high priest, the one above all, that he is the Christ, the one that has come to save us. The author makes this point that as the high priest, that Jesus has paid the price, gave himself for us so that we could approach the throne of grace seeking forgiveness. There is priests make sacrifices on behalf of the people. Jesus made the ultimate one on behalf of all the world. And thus we know this, that the child born a king is the one that we follow. That the carpenter that built the kingdom is the one that we follow. That the light that shattered the darkness is the one that we follow. That Jesus was fully human walking amongst us while also fully divine, knowing our life, knowing our struggles, knowing our fears, our anxieties, knowing our pain, knowing our hopes and dreams. And Jesus walked amongst us to show us the way and to pave the way for us. See, we, the church, we follow this Christ, the one who gave himself for all the world. We follow that one. And we are called as a church, as a people, to make a case for Christ to the world around us. We make that case through discipleship, through worship, and through ministries of transformation. 
That's what we do. That's the business of what we're in here at the church, if you will, is this idea of discipleship and worship and transformation. And we really sort of boil it all down. Discipleship is about following. Remember, he called the first 12. He said, come, follow me. That's who we are. We're followers. But our discipleship and following is that we also live it out through acts of piety and acts of mercy. You know, piety being those things that we do to bring us closer to God. Prayer, study of scripture, worship, generosity. But acts of mercy are those things that we do that show evidence of our study, evidence of our work, evidence of our relationship with God in heaven. Things like justice and reconciliation, where we are not satisfied until everyone is lifted up and held as valuable as we are in each other's eyes. It's about missions where we go and we serve the world. It's about evangelism where we invite people into the conversation to journey alongside us. Not that we know all the answers, but we want to discover them together. And finally, it's about hospitality where we say, welcome home to each other. It's acts of mercy. And so we do that in this church. We engage in our discipleship through the ministries of our children, youth, adults, and senior adult ministry areas. I mean, so much happens in this block of ministries that draws us closer to God. They're built to help us be the people that God wants us to be. And all the focus that our ministry teams do in these areas, because you know what they're doing? They're helping us learn and know that case for Christ. Helping us learn and know how much God loves us so that we can share that love with the world. I mean, I think about our children's ministry. One of my favorite Sundays of the year is a Sunday that we give our kindergarten and third graders, we give them their own Bibles. If you've ever sat near a child that's gotten one of those, when they get back to their seat, you know what they do? They spend the next worship service flipping through it. They feel like they have been given gold and they have, right? I mean, this is the, we tell them this is the roadmap for your life. That there's not a problem in the world that this doesn't speak to in some way. I love that Sunday. Or I think of our youth ministry. I love watching our seventh graders go through the confirmation with Tammy. It's amazing. I mean, they, the first of December, I mean, they are just typical seventh graders. They're wild. They're crazy. But you just let them peel back the layers of life and let them just live in that seventh greatness of their lives, but start teaching them the faith. They will ask great questions. And it is a glorious day in the spring when we allow them to, to come to worship and to join the church and stand in front of us and say, this is what I believe. Because we've been telling them since they were born, this is what the church is about. But on that day, on that confirmation day, they stand in front of us and they say, y'all have done your job. We want to be a part of this family. This is what I believe. And we say back to them, we are so glad you're here. And we look forward to continuing the journey together. Our adult ministries have really revamped what they're doing. We're always going to have Sunday school. There's always a need for that. I'm even excited that there's a conversation about starting a new Sunday school class, really kind of geared towards parents of preschoolers. So if you know someone in our congregation or someone in your neighborhood that is looking for something like that, have we got an option for them? 
please have them get connected with Brett or with me or anyone on our staff because we would like to launch this new endeavor. But our adult faith formation team, they've been doing this, this first 15, and I hope you've been playing along with that because this idea of taking your copy of the Word and getting into it for 15 minutes every day to start getting to know your Bible better, to start listening better, to see how it speaks to who we are and how God is guiding us today, no matter what it is we're wrestling with. See, our ministry budget for discipleship for this area, we spent about $893,000 to help us learn and know the case for Christ. But let me tell you what's coming on the horizon. Because we're already talking about 2022, what we want to do. We're already starting to do some of that work now. There's, a, there's an effort to launch a men's ministry again. We had one years ago and then it went dormant. And we've already got some men that want to get that started, a chance to bring men in our church together to grow in fellowship, but in faith and in service to the world. And so that's already starting and that's going to continue into the next year. They meet on the first Thursday of the month right over in the East Building. Our children's ministry group wants to launch a special needs ministry because there are families in our community that have children with special needs and they make it difficult for them sometimes to be in church. And so they're trying to have an intensive effort in our children's ministry to say, we see you, you matter, let us grow together. And finally, what we know about a church our size with some 3,000 members is it's hard for us to know everyone, right? Right? My biggest fear is that something's going to go bump in the night in your life and we're not going to know about it. That you're going to feel like you're alone and that shouldn't happen, not in God's kingdom. Never should that happen. So Susanna and our congregational care team, they want to start something new in the first, after the first of the year, a shepherding ministry where we come to these overlapping networks of folks that are keeping in touch with each other. So there is someone a peer, a church member, a brother, a sister, whatever you want to call them, that is shepherding all of us together so that we are constantly in contact and that we're aware of what's happening in each other's lives and that we can be the church for each other when we need the church. See, when we do that, we are learning and knowing the case for Christ for the world around us. But just as we learn and know the thing that we need to proclaim that case, we need to shout it from the rafters. I mean, we've been doing that all morning. I mean, seriously, I love when the brass is here because this place is electric. But the organ sings, our singing, our choirs, everything. When we get together and worship, we are praising God and giving thanks for what we have received. But we are proclaiming a case for Christ to the world around us for what happens in God's kingdom. But worship is not just Sunday mornings from 9 to 11 or Wednesday nights at 7. No, worship happens when our people are gathered together, whether it's in this room or online or live stream or in smaller groups or throughout the week or throughout the year. Worship happens when we come together to praise God. Our live stream ministry has been growing ever since we started it here. We're now routinely getting folks in upwards of 40 countries tuning into our worship service. Now, here's the trick to this. Sometimes they're tuning in right now, just as we're gathered here. Some of you are in those countries now, but some folks are tuning in later in the week. Their schedule allows it. 
Or maybe it's the podcast. Just last month alone, 1,700 people listened to our podcast. We're worshiping together through the ministries of this church. We have Christmas Eve, Advent, Holy Week, funerals, weddings, opportunities for us to gather to celebrate love, to celebrate life. See, we spend about $1.6 million on all of our worship ministries. But that's not just services. That includes groups just a couple of weeks ago. We had exigence here to sing in the morning. They also sang in the afternoon. Our music and the arts ministry is helping us see that the arts are the creative part of creation that is still drawing us closer to the wonderment of God. Now think about what our ministry teams are doing with this. Next week, you will hear our children and youth music programs in the 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service. We are rebuilding those after that hiatus of the pandemic, trying to breathe new life into that. And so we have dreams that that's going to get bigger and bigger as the year progresses this year and into next. We're making improvements to our live stream because we see the reach that we're having around the world. Because we are proclaiming that case for Christ for all to hear. But you know, as we learn and as we grow, as we proclaim, we also must go into the world and make that case. Make the case for Christ so that all the world sees and hears what that looks like. St. Francis said, preach the gospel daily, use words if necessary. Friends, what he's talking about, he's talking about us going out into the world and being the hands and feet of Christ so that the world sees what this transformation happens. It begins when we see each other as brothers and sisters and we work one relationship at a time to make a difference in the world around us. It's why we talk about a theme for our church to be every day for everyone. That's the kind of place we are. We've got something going on here or through this church every day for everyone in our community and everyone around the world. That's transformation. Those are the ministries that happen through our Justice and Reconciliation team, through our Missions Committee, through our connection with the United Methodist Church. Transformation happens when we are those living examples. When we use our hands to act out our faith. Craig referenced in his prayer the missionaries in Haiti. You know, Haiti is this country that we have been involved in in different points and times in our congregation's history. But the United Methodist Church has been involved in Haiti for years now. And so even with the political turmoil, even with the poverty that's there, even with the upheaval in their society, even with all of the natural disasters they've witnessed this year. I mean, it's been a tough year for Haiti. But folks, we are there. The people of Centenary Church are in Haiti as we speak because we are part of the United Methodist Church. We have missionaries on the ground trying to help rebuild that country, trying to alleviate the pain and the suffering that those people are feeling. We think about ministry in our church. Think about our college students. Last week I talked about the mental health of our college students and how this is supposed to be the time of their lives. Well, folks, we are addressing that. As a congregation, we are helping our college students. We are on every college campus that has a Wesley Foundation, whether it's in our state or it's around the country. If a college has a Wesley Foundation, a Methodist campus ministry, folks, we, Centenary and Methodist Church, we are there because of the outreach of our church 
through the United Methodist Church, we are providing spiritual help, spiritual guidance, mental health to our college students. Our missions committee has really decided to focus on certain areas. They're still trimming down the list, but instead of being a mile wide and an inch deep, they want to be a mile deep and an inch wide and be really focused on the things that vex our community. One of those areas is hunger. There's no excuse in our world that people are still hungry. And guess what? We've said the same thing. Last week alone, we packed 16,000 meals for families around the world because we don't think hunger should exist. We've got the capability of doing that, of fighting hunger. So we packed 16,000 meals in two hours because of our commitment. Our loaves and fishes ministry, again, had helped 300 families in the last month with either financial or food assistance because we as a church have said enough is enough. We provide $1.3 million worth of transformation ministries through what we do here at this church. But we have even bigger dreams than that. We have bigger dreams to begin addressing some of the things that affect our community, to talk about justice and reconciliation, talk about equity and violence. How can we put a stop to this, to say to those areas, enough is enough? How do we learn so that we can be the advocates in our community? So our Justice and Reconciliation team is going to help us with this in the coming year. Our missions committee wants to do more. I said they want to be an inch wide and a mile deep. And what we want to do with that is we want to double the amount of money that we have to put back to these mission efforts. Because we believe that's who God is calling us to be. Because when we do that, we are making the case for Christ by the way we live, the way we act, the way we serve. So as I think about all that we're doing, as I look at our new magazine edition every day, as I look at the one that came out earlier this year, Every Day for Everyone, as I look at the list of ministries on our website, as I look at some of you and know what you're involved in our church, I am absolutely amazed at all of these ministries of discipleship, of worship, of transformation. I'm amazed at, at our facilities because we are now poised to use our building as a great, as a great asset for change in our community. I mean, we're already doing it now. We've already got UMAR, a ministry for adults with developmental disabilities. We have them in the building three, four days a week helping adults make a difference in their lives. We offer English as a second language so that folks that have come to our country can learn to assimilate. We offer a free medical clinic on Wednesday evenings. We offer space for that. We have a great staff that is focused on all these ministries to figure out how we can go forward together boldly as a congregation. Everything that we're doing in these areas is making the case for Christ in the world. And I am moved by that. I am moved by that, but I think about what we want to do and I think about what that means for our budget. I've given you some of the numbers. What it means, if you say, well, Glenn, you talked about a lot of numbers. How much more are we talking about? It's just a half a million dollars more. Now, I know that sounds like a lot, but folks, I think God is calling us to boldly step out there and we can do this. We can keep doing what we're doing and do the new things that we want to do and make a deeper impact. Make that case for Christ so that the, all the world sees that we have this great high priest that made the ultimate sacrifice 
for us, for all the world. And we want to share that story by coming together to learn, by proclaiming that case, and by living that case through the ministries of this church and in our daily lives. See, folks, we are never going to meet anyone whom Christ did not die on the cross for. We're never going to look in the eyes of anyone that God does not love as much as God loves us. God loves the whole world as much as God loves us. So we're going to look in the eyes of someone that God loves just as much as he loves us. So when we think about what we're doing in this place, when we think about filling out our pledge cards, what we're really doing is we're saying, I want to make the case for Christ personally. And I'm going to make the case for Christ how I pray for this church, how I serve this church, how I participate in this church, how I give to this church. That's our opus. That's our case that we make. So as I think about what we do for 2022, I think Centenary is being called to make a beautiful case to tell all the world this one message. We have a great high priest that loves you. Let us show you how. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.